Today we're going to continue our series of biographies. I'm purposely picking some folks that are, lo are uh, recorded in Hebrews 11. The folks recorded in Hebrews 11 very, led very diverse lives. These lives are so diverse that they challenged many schemes of salvation. And I'm doing it on purpose. Because there's only one scheme of salvation that gets every one of these folks that are recorded in Hebrews 11 to glory. And that's the scheme of grace, sovereign grace, sovereign grace alone. Tonight we'd like to look at the man Jacob. I think that if you've been listening to me the last 10 years, <clears throat> Jacob is one of my favorite characters. And one of the reasons why I like his story, because I think it parallels my own so much. We're going to read about Jacob, and Jacob was not looking for God. God grabbed Jacob. Well, that was my case. And if any of you ever want to say, well, that's the Old Testament, we can pretty much parallel this same account with the Apostle Paul. Paul was not looking for God, and God grabbed Paul. So with that being said, just to leave no doubt that Jacob is one of God's own children, I'm going to go to Hebrews 11, and I'd like to read 10 through 22. By faith, I, excuse me, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, he's the guy we're studying tonight, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph in worship leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandments concerning his bones. Right there in the middle of it is listed Jacob. In the Hebrews 11 is recorded so many people of faith. Moses and Abraham and David and Samuel. And right in the middle of this is the man named Jacob. This uh, series of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is in a very important series. Many times in Scripture it lists those three men together because covenants were made to them that applied to Israel throughout many centuries. In Exodus 3 and 6, as early as that, God was talking to Moses and he said, I am the God of thy father Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And when, God, when Moses heard this, he hid his face. Jacob was one of these three patriarchs that is referred to over and over again. In 2 Kings 13, 23, um, scripture's talking about uh, 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 a historical perspective. God was gracious unto them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God made a covenant with all three of these people that was going to come true through Israel. And then finally in Acts in the New Testament, uh, the apostles were preaching and he, they made reference to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and glorified his son Jesus Christ whom he delivered up. So these three patriarchs are very, very important as we read Scripture, and Jacob is one of these three. We read Hebrews 11, and Jacob is listed right there. Now again, as we read his account, I scratch my head, and I ask the question, why Jacob? It makes no practical sense why God would pick Jacob. But that gives me hope, because if you looked at my life, in the middle of my college years, you'd say, why would God pick Dolph Painter? It makes no practical sense why he would pick that knucklehead. That's what gives me hope, okay? So that being said, 
let's look at Jacob's life. We see Jacob's life, and now I got to admit, I'm going to do some what I call cherry picking. I'm going to pick some verses that talk about the conversion of Jacob. I want you to know what kind of person he was, what kind of actions he had, how God interacted with him, how Jacob responded. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was not good. And, and, and I'm going to be cherry picking verses. I want to challenge you that if you really want to read about this, go back to your Bible in the following days, read Genesis 25 through 33. But with that, I can't read all that in an evening service. We would make no points. So I'm putting that onus back on you. I'm going to read the first account. First time we, we, we see reference to Jacob. This is in Genesis 25. Let me restart at verse 22. It says, And the children struggled within her. The, the, the children that are struggling are, are, are a set of twins, Jacob and Esau. Mom is Rebecca. And she says, if it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people. The elder shall serve the younger. Well, as we go forward, we find out Esau was born first and Jacob was born second. And God had plans for Jacob even before he was born. Now notice it says Jacob is fighting with his brother even in the womb. That's how far depravity goes back. Skip forward to verse 25 in the same chapter. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called him Esau. And after that came, out his, came his brother out, and he took the hand of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. And the boys grew. Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. Now again, I ask the question, why Jacob? Esau was a man's man. And as we're going to find out, Jacob was a man that dwelled in tents and hid behind his mom's skirts sometimes. Okay. Same chapter, verse 31. So as they were growing up, I don't know how old they're at this time, but old enough to know better. Jacob said, talking to his brother, now his brother Esau had been out evidently in the field on a long trip, and when he came back, he was absolutely starving to death. He was faint. He was ready to pass out. And Esau goes to his younger brother, his twin brother, and he says, I'm just faint. I need some food. And Jacob, the loving brother that he says, says, here, take all this food. No, that's not what he did. He says, I'll give you some food if you give me your birthright. What kind of cold-hearted brother would do that to a twin? That's the one God picked. I asked the question, why Jacob? Behold, I am at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright be to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swore unto him and sold him his birthright. He blackmailed his brother out of a birthright. This is the kind of man God picked. So let's jump forward now into Genesis 27. Some more time goes by. Dad is getting old, Isaac. He's getting old. It's funny because Isaac thinks he's about ready to die. I think he lives another 50 years after this. But Isaac thinks he's ready to die, and he's ready to give his blessing, and he wants to bless his oldest son. So we're picking up in Genesis 27 and verse 2. 
And he said, Behold, now I am old. He's speaking to Esau, his oldest son. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, and may my soul may bless thee before I die. Well, mom heard this. She knew the promise that God made to her, knew this, and says, you know what? My knuckle-headed husband is not going to keep God's promise. I better help God keep his promise. And Rebecca gets the great idea. Well, my husband's blind right now. I'm going to fool my husband. What we're going to do is we're going to pull a switcheroo. So they do this great big thing, and, and, and he gets some of Esau's clothes, and, he, and, and, and they get a, a piece of uh, meat, and they take the hair, and they put it on his neck and his arms. So when, when, when Dad comes up close, he smells them, he feels them, and everything looks like it's in order. This is a conversation between Jacob and his mom. This is in uh, Genesis 27, verse 11. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and shall bring a curse upon me, not a blessing. He says, Mom, this is a crazy idea. Dad's going to figure it out, and I'm going to get cursed. I'm not going to be blessed. And Rebecca says, the curse will be on me. The curse will be on me. So now I'm going forward in Genesis 27, and here's what happens in the deception. And Jacob said unto father, I am Esau thy firstborn. I have done according as thou biddest. That's a lie. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison. It's not even deer meat. It's a goat. That my, thy soul shall bless, may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he pulls a scam on him. He's blaming what happened on the providence of God. He says, Because the Lord hath brought it to me. Sometimes have you met folks that do something and he says, well, the Lord did that. The Lord didn't do that. You lied. It's deception. So, he lies to dad. Dad is fooled. He prays. He blesses his son and he runs away. So now we're still in Genesis 27, verse 35. And now Esau comes back with a deer he just killed. And they have a conversation, Esau and his dad. And Esau said, here's your venison. And, and, and Isaac says, what? I just blessed you. I just ate. And then he figures it out. He said, thy brother came with subtly and hath taken away thy blessing. And he said, is it not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright through the blackmail. And behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Notice this. God picked Jacob. I wouldn't have picked Jacob, but God picked Jacob. Why? Why? But I got to ask the question, why would he pick Dolph Painter? So we go forward and we read a little bit more. Esau's mad. Verse 45, same chapter. Until thy brother's anger turn away from thee, and he forget that which thou hast done unto him, then I will send thee and fetch thee from, from thence. And shall I, 
Should I be deprived also of you both in one day? This is Rebecca talking to her son. Basically, she's saying, you got to leave. Your brother's going to kill you. And Rebecca said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because the daughters of Heth, if Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these, which are the daughters of the land? What good shall my life be due to me? You know, Rebecca's still deceiving her husband. It's, you ever hear a half-truth? This is a half-truth. She says, I don't want Jacob marrying these pagans. I want them to marry people in the faith. She's telling a subtly, still to her husband, and the reason is is she knows the twin brother is going to kill him. So she's conjured up a story to get Jacob out of town, and Jacob leaves. Okay. We go to chapter 28, and Jacob leaves, and he's running. This is one of my favorite accounts in Scripture, Genesis 28. I love this account because in my mind, this is very similar to the account I had with God. At this point in time, Jacob just pulled a deceit on Dad. He is a coward, and he's running from his brother. And as he's running from his brother, and he's hiding behind Mom's coattails, her skirt, He's out in the field and he has a little camp out. He pulls up a rock for his pillow. Doesn't sound very comfortable, but that's what he did. And this is what happens. Genesis 28, verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord of God of Abraham thy father, of God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of earth be blessed. God comes up to Jacob and he says, you're my man. And again, I ask the question, why would you pick Jacob, God? I wouldn't have picked him, but then I wouldn't have picked me either. You're probably getting tired of hearing that, huh? There's only one way Jacob gets to glory, and that's by sovereign grace. This is not the deal where truth was held out before it. He received it. He accepted it. He asked God into his heart, and then he went forward, living happily ever after with God. God said, you're my man, and Jacob went kicking and fighting the whole way. In 16, Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and he said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I wasn't looking for God. God was looking for me. And then he offers up this horrible prayer, this terrible prayer. And he says, Jacob bowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. That doesn't sound like asking the Lord into your heart, does it? It sounds like a used car salesman. And what's so amazing about this horrible prayer request that Jacob vowed is God said, okay, God said, okay. Why did God say, okay? He said, okay, because he promised those things when he was still in the womb. Because Jacob was his man. 
So let's go forward. <clears throat> and I want to go to chapter 29. So at this point in time, God's got his finger, he's got his hand on Jacob, and he's blessing him. <clears throat> but Jacob has sonship with God, but he still doesn't have fellowship with God. So, God is going to deal with Jacob. And every stunt that Jacob pulled, God is going to correct that. Okay? I'm going to paraphrase because time is getting by really, really fast. One of the things that happened is he deceived his dad. Jacob goes to the foreign land. He works for his soon-to-be father-in-law, Laban. He works for seven years for this daughter. At the end of seven years, Jacob goes to get married the night before. Laban gets him drunk. They do the ceremony. He gives him a woman. Next morning he gets up and it's a different woman. And when he's getting up the next morning, he goes to Laban and he's so mad. He says, how dare you swindle me like this? And the answer that Laban gives is just priceless. Laban says to Jacob, in our country, we honor the elder before the younger. Don't you know that had to be a dagger in his heart saying, oh, amen? So more time goes by. And then what happens is he, he, he works another seven years and then he works for six more years and he's working for the assets so he can finally leave his father-in-law. And during those six years, he's trying to leave. He's trying to build up some assets so he can leave. And in scripture, it says, he, Jacob goes and gets his two wives. And he says, your, your dad is just royally messing with me. He's changed my wages 10 times. Every time I do something, he lies to me. He swindles me. To me, that's God saying, son, I love you, but there's a part of your character you need to understand, and this is exactly your lifestyle. So what was you did before is being done to you. And then some more time goes by, and this is recorded in um, Genesis, I believe, 33. And then what happens is, is it's time to go home, and Jacob is praying, and he wrestles with an angel, and as he's wrestling with the angel, he's saying, I want a blessing. Do you remember another time when he wanted a blessing? And the angel is wrestling with him, and it says they're wrestling all night long. And then finally, Jacob says, I am not going to leave you till I get this blessing. And the angel asks him, what is your name? How many times did Isaac ask him that? What is your name? And he said, my name is Esau. And this angel, after he's asking for this blessing from God, says, what is your name? Don't you have to be, that had to be the third dagger in him. What God is doing, he is not picking him. He's not choosing him. He's not adopting him. He's not making him born again. That's already happened. What he's doing now is he's converting him. He's getting him to a place where he can be useful in the kingdom of heaven. And then what he does, this is priceless too, he touches his hip. So Jacob is limping for the rest of his life. You're thinking, what's the big deal about that? That sounds kind of mean. 
to me, what that's doing is every time Jacob takes a step for the rest of his life, he's saying, I can't run away from my problems anymore. He ran from his brother. He ran from his father. He ran from his father-in-law. He ran from Esau again the second time. He, he just bailed, and God made it so he can't run anymore. So he pulls a switcheroo on him. He swindles him. He asks him what his name is, talks about his lying, and then he puts a, run, a limp in him, so he limps for the rest of his life, and he said, okay, no more running, Jacob. And you know what? Now you're in a place where you can do me good. My friends, this is not where he got born again. And again, I, I keep on sharing, why would you pick Jacob? We're all a mess. We all need to go through that purging process. I know I did. And I know when I first started searching for God, late, later in life, in my 20s, I prayed prayers just as dumb, just as horrible as we just read there in Genesis 28. But God was working with me. And sometimes they're comfortable, sometimes they're not comfortable. So let's jump a little bit forward. I've done a lot of paraphrasing here. I want to read a couple more things. Let's go over here. In Genesis 30. So here's Jacob. God touches him. He says, you're my man. In thee, I'm going to bless you. But you know what? That promise was made to Grandpa. And then it was made to your dad. And it's coming through to you because that's the lineage I've chosen. And you're mine. And he starts working with him. And some of the purging is hard. Some of it is really good. Some of his blessings. But Jacob still made mistakes. That's what gives me hope. In Genesis 30, verse 1, And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he won Husband of the Year award. Right? No. No. It was kindled again, and he says, Am I in God's stead? Who will, who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? He got mad at his wife. And then as we see the rest of his life, one of the biggest problems Jacob had that cost him so much heartache in this earth was he played favorites with his wives and he played favorites with his children. Boy, the heartache he endured because of that favoritism. He wasn't a perfect man after God grabbed him. And God was constantly working with him and constantly purging with him. But he wasn't a perfect man. And you know what? None of us are either, are we? But as I look at Jacob's life, God is slowly purging those weaknesses, those character defects from him. And he's slowly but surely getting to a point where he's becoming more sacrificial, he's becoming less selfish, he's becoming more God-oriented. And God blessed him mightily in his later years. Sometimes it was hard to get there. In Genesis 33, this says, And Jacob lifted up his eyes. This is when he was um, worked for 20 years from, um, for, for his uh, two wives and, and all the assets, and he's going home. And as he's going home, he hears Esau's there. Remember, Esau wanted to kill him way back in chapter 27 and 28. And here he is, he's going home, and look what he does. This brave father 
Sister Cassie, what if Greg would have done this to you? Okay. Sister Kayla, what if Graham would have done this to you? And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came with 400 men. And he divided the children unto Leah and Rachel and the two handmaids. And he put the handmaids first, and then he put Leah, then he put Rachel, and Joseph was in the back. Is that a man's man? I hope, I hope gentlemen, you'd go out first. I hope you'd be in the forefront. And as he's parlaying these boys, the 12 sons, they know what's going on. Uh Uh-oh, I'm first. I know what dad thinks of me. Next, I'm fourth. I know what dad thinks of me. I'm 10th. I know what dad thinks of me. Uh Aha, I'm 11th. I know what he thinks of me. I'm his favorite. Then he does his wives. But guess where dad is? He's behind them too, right? God, why did you pick Jacob? God, why did you pick any of us? Amen? Genesis 37. Now Israel, this is Jacob. Jake, you know, there's some, several folks in the Bible that were renamed. Simon and Peter are the same. Saul and Paul are the same. Isaac, or I'm sorry, uh, Jacob and Israel are the same. Now he's being called Israel here. And Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw their father loved him more than all of his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. He caused a lot of harm. He caused a lot of stress and a lot of drama in his family. You know, that sounds a familiar story, doesn't it? When we read about Jephthah, when we read about Samson, when we read about Gideon, all those men were God's men. They were faithful in battle. But there were other areas of the life where they were just ignorant of God's ways. And it didn't cost them sonship. What it cost them was peace and harmony and comfort here on earth. Jacob's no different. That's why I want to study these folks in the Bible. God recorded these people in Hebrews 11 for us to understand there's only one way to glory. Some people mess up in the end of their life. Some people messed up in the beginning of their life. That was Jacob. Some people were looking for God. Some people weren't looking for God. Some people messed up in the middle of their life. Some people didn't persevere. Some people did persevere. There's only one way this whole crowd goes to glory. We come up with 12 different schemes of salvation. Or we come up with one scheme of salvation, and that's sovereign grace. God chooses. chooses. We've got choices, but those choices don't cost us sonship. They cost us peace on earth. 42. Genesis 42. There is some famine in the land. Joseph is now the second most powerful person in the world. This is later on in life. Jacob's an old man now. Let me start reading in 42, verse 35. And it came to pass... As they emptied their sacks, this is Joseph's ten sons that went down to Egypt to get food. Every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And with both they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children? Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me? In other words, 
Simeon stayed behind. And the word from Pharaoh's right-hand man, Joseph, said, bring me my little brother, Benjamin. And here's Jacob, and he says, it's going to break my heart. Simeon's over there being held hostage, and he says, you guys go, but don't take number 12. I've already lost number 11. You're not taking number 12. You 10 go. What if you're Judah or Reuben? What's that make you feel like? Chopped liver? I think so. He's still doing this favoritism stunt. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, Slay my two sons, if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. And he said, My son shall not go down with you, for he, his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which ye go, then shall ye bring down my grace with sorrow to the grave. Do you realize what he's saying? I don't care about you ten. Eleven's dead. He wasn't, but he thought he was. Eleven's dead. And if this happens, number twelve will be gone. That'll be too much for me. Yep, yep. But Jacob, you just sent sons one through ten. No, twelve is the one I'm worried about. God, why would you pick Jacob? He just had a way to go. And it's easiest for us, it's easy for us to sit here looking at his life, looking critical down the lens. But how many blind spots do we have? Or what are the blind spots in our life? Okay. So we're done. There's my funny little graph. At the end of the last message, what I did <clears throat> is I graphed the relationships with God of four, three men, and I've added the fourth today, like a stock market. The first man I looked at was Gideon. And Gideon um, started off kind of middle of the road. In Judges 6, he was kind of middle of the road, low to the middle of the road. And then in that great big battle when he went and confronted the enemy in chapter 7, he demonstrated a lot of faith. But when you get into chapter 8, he started getting full of himself and he started fading away from God. He kind of was weak on the ends. And then we go to a man like Jephthah. Jephthah was pretty steady. He was pretty steady. He was pretty much the same. He had a good relationship with God, not very good with his fellow man, but from beginning to end, he was steady Eddie. And then we look at someone like uh, <clears throat> Samson, and Samson was just the opposite. He started strong, and the more success he had, the worse he got. He got further and further away from the Lord. And then finally, the man we looked at today was Jacob. Jacob started off really weak. A mama's boy, a coward, a liar, a thief, a blackmailer. And God worked on him, and he got closer and closer to the Lord. When God recorded his account in Hebrews 11, it was very much at the end of his life when he blessed his children as he lay dying. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord. I don't know if where your weakness is in the middle and the ends, the beginning. I feel like mine are all over the place. But my point is, is there's only one way to glory, and that's through sovereign grace. And Gideon is that guy. And again, I know you'll hear many times, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, first of all, Hebrews 11 is recorded in the New Testament. And second of all, I can take 
Jacob's life and pretty much parallel Paul's life and put it right on top. And they're the same. May the Lord bless you. Thank you.